chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. And God's word says this. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Please be seated. Lord, please help us this morning through your Holy Spirit to see what's in the text for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we have to get one thing out of the way right from the very start. Because nobody knows. They've talked through centuries. What were Euodia and Syntyche fighting about? And you guys might remember, a man came to our Bible study once on Wednesday morning, and he said, I know what they were fighting about. He was a professor at Trinity Evangelical uh, College of Divinity or whatever the fancy names are, and he said, I know what they were fighting about. He said they were arguing over who had the worst name. And I said, well, I tried, to, I tried to come back at him. I said, I just want you to know I named my daughters after those two women in the Bible. I mean, he wasn't falling for it. He just said, ah, you're, you're joking with me. Um, so definitively speaking, uh, scholars everywhere have said that's not what they were fighting over. <laughs> we do not know, but uh, it's pretty well established they weren't fighting over who had the worst name. But we're going to talk about these two women, Euodia and Syntyche. They were pillars of the church. Maybe they were there when Paul first rolled into town. As we go through Philippians, we remember, don't we, how uh, the church was begun. Uh, Paul was there with his uh, team, and they didn't have a, a, a synagogue to go to. Uh, what would happen in those days, uh, if there weren't enough uh, the rules for the synagogue, they had to have, I think, ten men to be established. And where there weren't those ten men, uh, they would just gather to still worship God, uh, the Old Testament way, the, the, in the Jewish way. And these women were meeting down by the river, and Paul joined them there. And that's the beginnings of the Philippian church. Uh, we don't know for sure, but quite likely, Euodia and Syntyche were part of that group. Uh, Paul does say later on, you were with me from the beginning, you were there. And a church was raised up, made up of various people, the Philippian jailer and his family and others, and you can read about that around Acts 16 or so. But here they were in this church in Philippi. Paul has been writing uh, this letter to that church. Remember the words joy and rejoicing, and we've said he feels it's just like coming through the text and the various letters that we have in Scripture as he wrote to the churches. There is a love and a bond and a special feeling that he has for that congregation. But that does not mean that there's not trouble. And here's some trouble. Uh, this happens as long as we live on this earth. There's, there's bound to be trouble. Uh, the, the other shoe does drop. And then it lifts again. And there's times of peace. But there's, uh, as long as we human beings live together, 
even in the cause of something good, there's, there's bound to be trouble. And so these co-laborers with Paul said side by side. One little study I looked at talked about all of the terms of, of endearment that Paul had given just in Philippians 4 verse 1. And then it said, can you see other special ways and things that Paul uh, spoke to the church about in the, in the following verses, 2 and 3 and, and beyond. And it's all connected there. So these are wonderful, wonderful women. But they've got an issue going. You wonder why. Well, we don't know uh, why this fight began that spilled out into the whole church. We can only speculate. Sometimes in our own relationships, uh, in marriages or in churches, it's times when things just don't get nipped in the bud and things just kind of percolate and percolate and everything's fine and they're covered over it. But finally, uh, there's an eruption of things and you go, man, that was all those years ago, but it happens. Maybe that was the case here. Maybe Euodia and Syntyche had some little thing and they just didn't deal with it and, and deal with it in a timely way. And just things kind of built and then something pushed it together. It's possible. Maybe it's just growing older and trying to remain relevant. We do that. We remember our glory days a little bit and, and when we had the energy and we were part of things and we still kind of want to be the, the, the big dog every now and then and, and uh, who knows? We don't know. We know these were real flesh and blood people like us. And so we can only look and say, here's what we do when we have our conflicts. What happens? But whatever was going on, it brought a necessary spotlight and rebuke. Can you imagine? Hey, here's the letter from Paul. Here's the letter from Paul. And they gather people to read it. And Paul's talking about his imprisonment. He's talking about joy and rejoicing. He's talking about, oh, these people that are preaching the gospel in a false way, but he doesn't care as long as the gospel's preached and he gets to that. And they're all just sitting there watching. And Yodia's on one side and Syntyche's on the other side. <laughs> And all of a sudden they hear their names read. Whoa, that kind of thing doesn't happen. And what it must have been to them to hear this part of God's letter. They'd only known that their names would be in Scripture forever and ever too. Now up in heaven they don't care. But wow, they went down in history. Here we are talking about them in another time, another place. Euodia and Syntyche, even making jokes about their names. What a, boy, they went down in history. So think about this, and think about the importance of this. Think about uh, what's going on here. So what's in it for us? Three sections in this sermon. Uh, one, it shouldn't happen, but it does. And I'll, I'll, I'll say what's the it. Sinful disagreement shouldn't happen in the church, but it does. Two, sinful disagreement hurts when it happens. And finally, what is the prescription for sinful disagreement in a church when it happens? First point, sinful disagreement shouldn't happen. 
but it does. Theoretically, with all things considered, why do Christians fight? Why, why do people, a small, small, tiny percentage of people that have gone through the narrow door, that are on that narrow path that leads to life, why fight? You've been brought from death to life. Uh, the things that matter the most are the things we agree on. Why this kind of a sinful disagreement? We stop and think about it. When we really just stop and think about it, it shouldn't happen. Maybe you've been in this, uh, uh, in any kind of a relationship, and you've said, wait a minute, why are we fighting? Boy, we've tied our lives, our futures. Why are we fighting? And you look back and you go, that was just so dumb. Uh, Andy Cap. Remember that comic, Andy Cap? He was an English guy. He and his wife fought a lot, but there was a lot of love between them if you read the columns. But frame number one, all you see are hands and fists and clouds and stars and stuff coming out. And then frame number two, they stop. And Andy says to his wife, wait a minute, why are we fighting about something as stupid as your mother? <laughs> she looks at the, at the readers. <laughs> Fourth frame, they're back to fighting again. Um, <laughs> so we think about what we fight about. What are we... What, are, what provokes us? What were Euodia and Syntyche fighting about? There's probably a good reason why that's not included, because we would focus on that. The whole thrust of the text is here's this congregation, and here are these two wonderful Christians, warriors for God, people that have given up a lot to follow the Lord and to build this little church, and all of a sudden they're fighting, and Paul says, stop it. I urge, how does he say it? I entreat, or I urge, Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. You need to agree in the Lord. Theoretically, it shouldn't happen. Those of us who pass from death to life. Now some people say, well, listen, it's just the way the church works these days. Christianity has unspooled and unthreaded itself, and it's, it's different. All these denominations. I've got a little book, The Pocket Guide to Evangelical Denominations, and, and uh, every year that thing expands and expands. And they say, well, it's just because we're so far away from the gospel that we fight each other because we're, we're not in the early church. But a reminder, this was the early church. This was the first church. It happened then, it happens now. And what applies then, applies now. Uh, What was going on? Now, I want to say this. Disagreement happens to the best of people, and it's not always sinful when it happens. The fact of disagreement is not sin. What was happening here was something sinful. But people disagree. Um, Paul himself, I, I'm going to talk about two times, he had what the Bible called no small disagreement. One was a philosophy of uh, ministry disagreement. Paul and Barnabas. 
whether to take John Mark on the mission trip. And it said it got heated. We take him. No, we don't. He's not useful for ministry. He is. We take him. And in the end, it even ended up with a parting. And Paul and Silas go one way and Barnabas goes the other way on their mission trip. So that happens. That's not presented in the Bible as a sin, by the way. But it is presented as a, as a big disagreement. And God's result of that disagreement and even that separation was to expand the gospel even more. When there are sharp philosophical disagreements, we do have the luxury in our day of quietly withdrawing to a church where we can worship. This happens in denominations where there is a sharp disagreement and denominations can lovingly split and sever. We can say, we're not going this way. It's been a good run. We felt comfortable here. But biblically, uh, we're not saying you're on your way to hell, but we're saying uh, that, that we see Scripture different. And it's time for us to pull out here. That happens. Philosophical disagreements are not necessarily sinful. There are theological disagreements that happen. Paul and Peter are one where they were talking about what is the essence of the gospel. And you have to defend the gospel. You have to say, this is what I believe to be true. Even if I'm the last person standing, I'm going to do what's right unless you can show me from Scripture that it's not right. And theological disagreements are, are fine and welcomed. That's not what was going on with Euodia and Syntyche. This was something personal, something different, something that threatened the church. Pastor, I had said this, and it, was, it seemed like a wise thing, and it kind of made me smile. He's, he was all about church planting. Plant this church, plant this church. He says, Dave, we've got to plant churches so when people get mad to us, they've got a good place that they can go to. Um, that's pastoral. That's looking out for people. We understand human nature, and, and there's a place, and, and, and you want a place for, for people to go to when they just have that philosophical difference. Different pastor said to me one time, and he said, I didn't hear him say this. He, he said to me that he had said this to somebody. He said, there used to be eight doors in this church, but now that we've built a new addition, there are 17. Pick one. <laughs> he said that. He said he said, he said that to a congregant. Um, I'm not so sure that's in the spirit of Yodi and Syntyche, and that's not in the spirit of shepherding. I, I don't think that was right. If he was telling me the truth, he wasn't just kind of bragging or whatever he was saying. But think about Yodi and Syntyche in this case. There was nowhere for either of these women to go and be part of another body of Christ. This was the first Presbyterian Church of Philippi. There was not a second Presbyterian Church of Philippi yet. They couldn't go. So Paul couldn't say, hey, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back. You can't say that. You've got to work this out. He says, here are these two women who we love, Euodia and Syntyche, my sisters, who I labored shoulder to shoulder with. Agree in the Lord. You've got to work this thing out. I would just say, again, sinful disagreement shouldn't happen. 
But tragically, on this side of heaven, it does. It does. Here's proof. What do we do? Well, before we get to what we do about it, consider the hurt and the potential hurt that it causes uh, when this happens. It's more than just for the two people who are fighting. Of course it hurt them. They walk into church. They walk in. It's the, it's the third Sunday of the month. And so the, every Presbyterian church that's worth their salt has their fellowship dinner. And they walk in. And Sinteki's husband is saying, where shall we sit? But he knows. There's the other one, Euodia. So they're going to sit here. Because there's just a little friction. They're not going to sit there and fight with each other. But out of the corner of their eye, they know where the other one is. If that's the case, if that's what was going on with Euodia and Sintiki, don't you think that it, I mean, isn't it true for all of us? If our eye is on somebody else and what they're thinking and saying, uh, if we're looking at somebody else in that way, who are we not looking at? We're not looking at the Lord. And in the back of their minds, uh, there they were. There was a disagreement, and it was a sharp enough disagreement that Paul had to address it, so we know it was big. And there they were. More than them. You know how awkward it is when you have to take sides, where you feel like somebody's trying to make you take a side. And you have to, because there's those friends, it's almost like back to second grade. And people form their groups and they form their alliances. That's not good for a church. And Euodia and Sinteki were prominent enough and, 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 and known enough in this church uh, that it was spilling over. He has to recruit other people to come along and help. That's not good for a church. Now, we had a youth group that was... Uh, Oh, I don't know. It depended. I, somebody said, how, how big was the youth group? Well, there was, there was three numbers. They're the ones that were always going to be there and, and show up for Bible studies and mission trips and all that. Maybe about 20 or 25 kids. Then there was like the normal youth group night. There might have been 40 or 50 kids, 60 kids sometimes. That was one thing. And then if you had a big blowout that was a lot of fun and everybody invited all their friends and kids from other youth groups, you had 70 kids. But... Uh, what we had on that regular night was a group of kids, freshmen, sophomores. And, and I've said enough about this in the past. The point was with parents saying, our little boy, he's not fitting in with the group. It's just a youth group full of cliques. And the answer, having thought about it, was you want a church full of cliques. You want everybody to be involved in a clique, and you want all the people in all the cliques to like each other. That's just how it plays out when you get to that. And Euodia and Sinteki were starting a war, and people weren't lined up with each other. Everybody needs to be involved and feel like they're belonging, but everybody's not going to be everybody's best friend. He didn't say, Euodia and Sinteki, I want you guys to move in next door to each other and start a ministry together. I want you to do this and that. And I want. No, he just said, I want you two to agree in the Lord, and I need some help because this is a bad thing for the church. It hurts. You say, well, there's a threat to the church. 
Jesus had said, let your light shine before men in such a way they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. What happens when we are shining our light in such a way that they see our bad works and they're not glorifying God, they're not looking to God and people are looking for an excuse to not be involved in a church. And if they can just fight, oh, they're just a bunch of fighters, they're worse than, they're worse than the world is, I'm just not going to go. They want to be able to say that to help their own consciences because they know they should be worshiping God because that's built into us. He's saying don't help them along. It can be bad for a church when there are situations such as there was in the church in Philippi. And certainly the people that get hurt that I've seen the most are the church's children. And they have to watch this, and they see conflict, and they say, when I grow up, I'm out of here. I'm away from conflict. And they're watching. Little eyes are watching. Little ears hear things said. So sinful disagreements hurt when it happens. The distraction of an internal uh, affair going on within a church detracts from the external and detracts from the eternal. And so as we have our internal conversations, he's saying, Euodia and Syntyche, I urge you, I entreat you to agree in the Lord. Man who loves the church, man who loves that particular church, who loves the Lord, who knows these women and who loves them, says, agree in the Lord. So what's then the solution for when sinful disagreement happens? Not talking about philosophical differences, not talking about theological differences here. There's no indication of any of that. Just disagreement. And I know, I mean, it's built into us. I bet you have been fighting with the same person since kindergarten. Wherever you've moved, there's that same person that's there. And there's just, our personalities are made, and there's just different people that just rub us the wrong way, or we rub them the wrong way. And and (coughs) it's the same type. My grandpa, the pastor, used to say, uh, boy, if you're a pastor, and you have some conflict in your church, that old elder's giving you a hard time, and you leave that church to take another church, you're going to walk in the door, and the first person that's going to walk up and shake your hand and say, welcome, pastor, is that same elder. He's just in that church waiting for you. And you've got to learn to work through things. Uh, that's just how it happens. And we've done this. Um, so what then, and boy, I just, everything just zapped out on my, my laptop. Okay, so what, what do we do? What is the biblical solution for when sinful disagreement happens? Well, for one thing in the text, as he says, I urge you, true companion, help these women who've labored side by side in the gospel together with Clement uh, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Okay, if nothing is done here on earth for reconciliation, if they fight all the way through, they're going to be reconciled in heaven. There's nobody in heaven that you see that you won't be worshiping the Lord with, that you won't be 
saying, this is my brother, this is my sister. I have no idea how it works, if we even will remember any of this stuff down here. If so, I think we'll remember it as just being petty and and nothing, because here's my fellow worshiper. You're in heaven, all this ceases anyway. And if your name is in the book of life, you get there and, and you're reconciled. They won't carry it on up there. And I would just say that since it won't happen up there, maybe if I'm trying to live like heaven is a real place, I'm not going to let it happen here. I'm going to start living and try to live here like I live there. And I have to say, I've got a lot of work to do. You know, you you think you're over your grudge that you hold against so-and-so, and then you hear about them, and it's a good test. Um, drop those things with fellow Christians. There's no time for that. It's not necessary. And in heaven, there will be reconciliation. And Yodi and Senteki are, are worshiping God. Whatever the setup is up there, there they are. And they're loving each other because they're loving God. And they're recognizing each other as redeemed. Um, before heaven, do we have to wait until then? No. You see in this text the intervention of church leadership. A church stepped in. In that day, the church leadership was Paul writing that letter as the apostle. Now, everywhere they went, they set up elders and they they established officers and all of that. But here is somebody official, somebody from the church, the church planner saying, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. This personal rebuke is a a one-of-a-kind from Paul in scriptures. Paul wrote a lot of letters. We can assume we have no idea how many he wrote. We, We know how many he wrote that are included in God's canon, that were inspired, breathed out by God even as he was writing them. But he wrote a lot of letters. Boy, this is the first time he's talked to two Christians in the church and said, get your act together with each other. Now, he did say about Demas, he said, Demas forsook me, having loved the present world. He gave a report about Demas. There were times where he rebuked whole congregations. He said to the Corinthians, there's some stuff going on here. Here's what you do. Work this out before I get there. He wrote to all of the Galatians, and he said, who has bewitched you that you're leaving the gospel for back, back to your legalism, but never that I know of. Maybe somebody pointed out afterwards, don't, don't, don't do it right now, but point it out afterwards, and I'll come back and correct it. But I can't think of any time where he is personally rebuked in his letters, giving a lot of personal praise to people, like at the end of Romans. But here he is saying, this is serious business. And there was a church official rebuke coming from him. I urge you guys, you ladies, get this together. Maybe there had been some behind-the-scenes work ahead of time. He'd heard about it from somewhere and somehow. It had been big enough for him to have to address it. This would be the parallel. If you want to parallel it to our church situation, this would be like in uh, uh, the first steps of church discipline. Um, there, there are four steps that, that, that our elders would take. And this would parallel the first one, the admonishment, the rebuke, just the pointing out. It would lead to, if you're in leadership, removing from leadership. It would lead toward suspension of the Lord's table, 
finally to excommunication. This would be a parallel to that first one. Hey, what you're doing is not right. Get it together. And so that's there. But then we get to this final one, which is so important, uh, the power of the Peloton. Power of the Peloton. So I was talking with Ted a couple of weeks ago, and Ted's an old cyclist from way back, and I, I sometimes I'll tune in the uh, Tour de France, and I, I don't like to hear all the words and commercials, but with the volume down just for an ADD guy, it helps anchor me, and I like the colors of the, of the bike riders. I like them going up different places, and on the coverage, they'll show like old French castles, and, and then the, the people lining the roads, and farmers will decorate and put signs in their fields, and it's just kind of fun to keep an eye on, but I don't have time in my life to try and understand every nuance of every bike riding thing and all the strategy. But I was talking to Ted about it, who, who knows some of these things. And he, we were talking about it, and I said, I always thought Peloton was just a, a bike, a stationary bike company that sold these bikes and made a lot of money during the lockdowns and now is losing money uh, after the lockdowns. But Peloton is actually, they got, the company got their name from this group of riders, and so when you have your breakaway riders, four or five of them uh, in, in any bike ride, and then they, they'll say, here they are, and then where's the peloton? The peloton is behind them by X amount of minutes, and you have some stragglers. But the peloton is that group of riders that are there riding after. And, and Ted said, well, he says, people don't under, you know, they, they underestimate the power of the peloton. And I said, ooh, power of the peloton. That'll preach. That's, a, that's alliterated. That, there's a sermon illustration there somewhere. Power of the Peloton. Well, think of the power of the Peloton. What is that group called the Peloton? Here's the quote. In a road bicycle race, the Peloton, from French, originally meaning platoon, is the main group or pack of riders. Riders in a group save energy by riding close, drafting or slipstreaming. It's like NASCAR with drafting. Um, to other riders. The reduction in drag is dramatic. Riding in the middle of a well-developed group, drag can be reduced to as little as 5 to 10%. Exploitation of this potential energy saving leads to complex cooperative and competitive interactions between riders and teams in race tactics. And basically what I read was there's this group called the Peloton and, and the leaders, and you get in that group and you save so much energy. And there are rules of politeness when you're riding in a pack. And after a while, the leaders get tired and the people move up. And there's just this unspoken, these guys that have ridden these bike races for a long time. And there's a way to act as a peloton, to work together, to to save your energy, to draft through, to get uh, where you're going up those hills and those 120 miles or whatever it is you're riding that day. The peloton works. It's like a dog pack. And one dog gets out of line, another dog comes along and just gives it a little nip. Calm it down. Calm it down. And Paul is saying, that's what has to happen in a church. Uh, Don't just sit there and and say, uh, where's my popcorn? I'm going to watch these two. Ooh, look. Hey, hey, honey, look at that. Yodia's getting ready again. She doesn't see Sintiki, and they're going to meet. I wonder what they're going to do today. Ha, ha, ha. And walk home and, and watch that. You're not supposed to watch that. It's a tragic thing. And you're not supposed to say, oh, this just makes me, I'm even done with that. I'm, no, he says, get involved. 
He said, I ask you also, true companion, translated that way here. Uh, I think the King James calls it true yoke fellow. Some people say it's a yoke fellow. Some say it's true companion. Some say it's actually the guy's name or the person's name. Uh, It's in the male tense, so it would be the male. But uh, we don't know who that is, but he's saying to somebody, get involved. These ladies, uh, they've hit a point. I'm rebuking them from a distance. But you can get involved and you can help them. They can work this thing out uh, for the sake of God's glory. They can do this. Just need a little help. The church is a body of Christ. We can do that. We can find a way to say something positive to somebody. Uh, You hear about somebody who's struggling, or you just hear a little particular venom or a little bit of nastiness coming, just a little bite. And some of us that have been in churches for so long, we've perfected the art. We can say things that if you take a transcript of our words, there's no sin. But we know that there is. We're following some legal letter of the law, but there's something going on. And you know what? If you sense that, find a way. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. When you join a church, uh, at least in our denomination, you answer a question, you say, I'm, I, I, I vow, what does it say, to protect the purity and peace of the church. And part of that is just to help. If you can be somebody who steps in the, in the gap and says a nice word about somebody to counteract just a little bit. If you know the person well enough, you can say, hey, hey, Fred, you know, I'm hearing this, and probably you could even say it this way. I may even be hearing it wrong, but boy, if I said that, what you just said about that person in that way, I know what would be going on in my heart. Is that going on in your heart? Okay, it's not good. Oh, it is a little bit. Yeah, I've been there too. Let's pray about this, and let's find. But there's a way for a congregation to kind of help and step in and love and not take sides. And Paul said, you do this, Mr. Yoke Fellow. Little help is needed. Little help is needed. I'm glad. Boy, I've seen these things happen, and, 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 and even more true, I've been part of these things. I've been Yodia, and I've been Sinteki, and I've needed somebody to come along and, and help me. And thank God, Somebody has. How do we conclude this? How do we look at this as we wrap this up and go to the the Lord's table, which is a great unifier and a a thing where all of God's family meets together at the table and partakes together? How do we do this? Well, the first uh, concluding thing that I've left out until right now, I urge Euodia and I entreat Sintiki to agree, but he doesn't stop there. How are they supposed to agree? Three little words in the English. Agree in the Lord. The Bible tells us there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And I would say there's one mediator between man and man, the man Christ Jesus. Our unity is in Christ. Our unity is in Christ. Agree in the Lord. Go back to the basics. Maybe if I had a problem with a fellow pastor, um, 
Maybe it's philosophical differences. Well, I don't have to be in his, that's his church. That's up to them. Those elders, that's, that's his deal. And I can be philosophically different. If it's theological and it's one of those major points like virgin birth or trinity or um, bodily resurrection or the return of Christ, then I got to fight. And I got to fight and I got to fight and I got to separate. Still being friends, but theologically, I've got to get out of there. But boy, if it's just personalities, the guy rubs me the wrong way, I think he's bragging a little bit because his congregation's doing something that I don't think mine is or whatever and, and all that, I better just get back to the basics and agree in the Lord with him. That's my brother. That's one who Jesus came to save. That's one whose sins were mingled with mine, and when Jesus' blood was being shed for mine, they were being shed for his. And I've got to agree in the Lord, and I've got to come back to this. Our unity is in Christ, and Christ alone. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. He came as the perfect God-man, perfectly human. You could say, it's kind of an oxymoron, but you could say perfectly tempted, meaning tempted in every way we are yet without sin. He died as the most sinful, vile being. And in the Lord is the only hope that any person ever, ever has for salvation. And when we are saved because of Jesus, there is a unity. And boy, if I find myself at odds with you or or something uh, over, over something, well, let's get back to the basics. Let's agree in the Lord. And then you're, you're family, and I'm family, and God's the same. There was a pastor, Southern Baptist pastor, who used to have a big TV ministry, not, a, not a, you know, like a reformed guy, a good guy, a good gospel ministry. And every time they would say to him, oh, so-and-so has criticized you about this. They said this at his funeral. Uh, they told a story about him at his funeral. He'd say, oh, really? I'll have to tell Dad about that. I'll have to talk to Father about that. And he would just take it to the Lord and not, not stir up the controversy and not get back at them. And I'm like, boy, God, can you please make me like that? I need to be like that. That's how we've got to be. Agree in the Lord. He said, I urge you, Odia and Sintiki, agree in the Lord. Secondly, do you see the focus of this passage? The focus is on not on... Um, a post-mortem of everything that happened, not, not a, a forensic, here's the fight, here's this, and you said this, and here's the documents and the footnotes, and here's the witnesses and all that. He's saying, didn't even say what it was about. Just saying, let's focus on the future. Let's agree on the Lord. Let's, let's keep moving forward together. And the focus on the healing, and not so much the digging up bones, digging in the dirt, as, the, as some people put it, to find who did the hurting. And then just again, the reminder that we said, there was a call for help from the body. While there are times for you and me, for each of us to mind our own business, there are also times and ways that we as church members can be loving and be peacemakers. Jumped ahead of it, this is going to be my closing statement of Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. And so that's my closing statement. Blessed are the peacemakers. You, yoke fellow, help these women. Boy, they labored with Clement, the rest of you. You're all together. 
Let's focus on Jesus. Let's agree in the Lord. And let's keep building Jesus' kingdom as as he enables and calls us and, and sends situations our way to do it. Now, in case anybody says, ooh, especially anybody, there must be problems in that church. <laughs> ooh, why would he preach a sermon like that? Well, it just was the next in the text. And it's good for us. And I love what's going on right now. These are, these are, are, are beautiful times of peace that I, that I see and sense. I love, boy, I, I come home smiling. I walk in and, you know, Paul says, how did it go? And I'm, what are you smiling about? I said, I said tell, tell people afterwards, you can check with Paul if it's true. I said, I just love our elders. I just like the way they get along with each other. I, I enjoy session meetings because I like that. And it, and it spreads and it follows. I've been in times where it's not been fun and it's not been good. And there's been these things. And, and, and I'll, I'll own my share of that. But boy, it's nice when there is an agreement in the Lord. We love each other, even in spite of and because of our differences. And, and, and we want, and so, but that doesn't mean that in a situation, a Euodian Synteki situation doesn't happen because things come back around sometimes. But praise God for what God's given, and when you have that and you don't have people at odds at each other's throats and not liking each other, praise God for those times. That's a picture of heaven. And when you see those things or you feel your heart starting to build that grudge up towards somebody, whether it's in your church or in your marriage or in your family, uh, deal with it right away. Blessed are the peacemakers, said Jesus, and he's equipped us to be that way. Pray for peace, love peace, make peace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this, these two little verses in the text. Thank you that you, Odie and Sinteki, um, we would like to think that, that this was effective and they found peace on earth, but thank you right now that they're in heaven worshiping and there'll be uh, two of the voices that we'll get to to sing praises to you with. So we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, as we um, uh, find agreement with fellow Christians and, and the agreement in Christ. Thank you for the great unifier that the Lord's table is, and we thank you that we get to go there now and partake. In Jesus' name, amen.